Welcome to Grace Church, everyone. Let's all stand together this morning. Uh, over in Pages, we've been studying a book called Crazy Love, and it's really made me think a lot over the past few months about God's love for us. And what I've learned in all of that studying is that trying to understand God's love for us can be staggering at times, right? It's so immense, it's so immeasurable, that it's no wonder our human brain can't fully comprehend it. But one thing that I do know is that God is love. Love comes from God. He is the source of it. And that love, from that love, came the ultimate sacrifice. In 1 John 4, 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful for the love and the grace of God that he shows us daily? Let's thank him and worship him this morning. Created from dust You came and you lived among us You took on our frame You walked in our pain And now you're taking us higher You stepped into time You laid down your life to save us You took all our shame On the cross it was laid And now you're taking us higher We go from glory to glory to glory Never be the same Never be the same. We go from glory to glory to glory. We're forever changed, forever changed. You call me your friend, brought into your endless blood I was made, no longer a slave, and now you're taking us higher. We go from glory to glory to glory, we'll never be the same, we'll never be the same. We go from glory to glory to glory, we're forever changed. 
season. Yesterday was our final state practice tournament held at Denham Springs and both of our quizzers did an amazing job at this tournament. Uh, both Noah and Joseph, you'll see all these ribbons here, were highest scorer or second highest scorer in every game that they played pretty much, resulting in both of our uh, quizzers being on the all-tournament team, which means that they had some of the personal highest scores of the tournament. Joseph had the fourth highest score, and Noah had the second highest score of the tournament. As a team, they placed first at this tournament, and they quizzed some tough competition to get there, so great job, you guys. Our next tournament is state finals here at Grace Church, June 18th and the 19th. This is a very important tournament because it determines who from our state will qualify to go to nationals. Now, our boys have already qualified, um, but they will still be quizzing at this tournament and they want to represent well. But if you've never had the opportunity to see a quiz tournament, I wanna take this opportunity to invite you to come to state finals. I highly encourage you to come and see these kids in action. 
it's, it's amazing to watch them. Um, some of these kids, as young as five years old, are confidently and sometimes very authoritatively quoting the Word of God, and it's really something to, to see. So I, I want to take this time to uh, invite everybody June 18th and 19th. But again, thank you all so much as a church. You all love Bible quizzing. We appreciate it. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We appreciate you being here this morning. We are so grateful for the privilege that the Lord gives us to be in his presence. Amen. And I do appreciate the hard work of these young men. The prioritization of the word of God is something that will pay dividends in their lives for the rest of their lives. Praise the Lord. There's a few things that I need to let you know about this morning. May 24th at 7.14 p.m., as we have for a considerable amount of time, we'd like you to join together with your family in the United Family Prayer Time at home. Let that be a part of your lives part of the routine of your home. Tuesday, May 25th, Tuesday morning prayer in our sanctuary will be uh, at 10 a.m. And Saturday, May 29th, men's prayer in the A Center will be at 9 a.m. And finally, Sunday on uh, June 6th, Academic Awards Sunday. Please submit a description of each award to the church office by Wednesday, June 2nd. Do we love the Lord this morning? I know that with these lulls in the service, we can kind of get our minds on different things, and, and all of this is church business. But I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And that reason is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to let him know that I appreciate the sacrifice that he made on a cross, that he didn't have to, that I could not earn and didn't deserve. Can we lift our voices and worship the Lord this morning?
magnify your grace today.
to be on campus and uh, to be together collectively as a church, as a body, to worship, to lift up, to adore the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus. Thank the Lord. I know you've been standing for a little while, but if you would remain standing for another moment, I'd like to just stop here in this this time, this just wonderful atmosphere in the presence of the Lord. And uh, we need to call on Jesus right now. We need some help today. it's great to see Sister Cassie here today, and uh, her nephew passed away this past week. He was 36 years old and married three kids. It's going to be a very difficult time for this whole entire family. They're very, very close, very, very close. And uh, I'd like for us to pray for, for Cassie and David and uh, all of her family. I believe the funerals is coming Tuesday. And... Uh, I've been a long time believer that God is excellent in these kind of situations. God knows just what to do. I heard a man speaking uh, several weeks ago, and he talked about presence ministry. That when, when just a real tragic event happens in somebody's life, that 
sometimes the the not so good thing to do is to to show up and then just talk 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 it's sometimes just good to be there and not say anything and he referred to it as presence ministry I can't tell you how many times in my life that God has ministered to me by not saying anything but just being in his presence just knowing he's here and I want to assure Cassie and her family that God's going to be with them she knows this and he's going to be with them every step of the way and you say well pastor do you really believe God's that big of a help take God out of the equation and you'll find out how big of a help he is he's an ever present help the Bible said in the time of trouble let's pray for this family right now father we love you today we're thankful for the privilege for the honor and the assurance that you remain with us you promised you would never leave you would never forsake and I pray today that that is the case with Cassie and her family that you would not leave them that you would not forsake them during this very difficult time we don't know why we don't have the answer to that question and this is where we have to trust we have to trust we have to trust we have to trust and I pray that you would empower this sweet family to do just that that you'd be right by their side holding their hand I pray that they'd feel their arms all about you and I pray in Jesus name in the days and weeks ahead that your encouragement your comfort just your presence being there will do everything that needs to be done for the healing of their heart and spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, did anybody notice that we baptized a couple of people here today? A couple of amazing kids that we love and adore. Amen. We're so proud for, as I like to call him, Brother Lewis, and uh, have a very humorous story to tell and I hope you appreciate the humor in it his uh, well would be his great grandfather technically I guess would be uh, brother Lewis sister Sheila's their grandmother's dad he passed away and uh, several years ago and it was not long after that that the, the Duncan started attending our church so I greeted Lewis one night after church or I said hey brother Lewis he said that I'm not brother Lewis that was my grandfather and he's dead and uh, so I'm, it was kind of a brutal, uh, I thought I was harsh on occasions, but that got the point across right there. But I still call him Brother Lewis. Wonderful, 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 wonderful little boy. Loves the Lord and wants the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we love our beautiful Millie, Miss Millie. And they were both, as you just saw uh, today, they were both baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. So as it goes, Lewis, ladies go first, right? He wanted to be baptized first. I said, no, we have to let the lady go first. I'm not sure he views his younger sister as a lady, but maybe he'll get to that point sometime in their life, what have you. But anyway, so Miss Millie, we have a baptismal certificate for you that says Millie Duncan, and that you were baptized in Jesus' name on May the 23rd. How about that? So you'll never forget, and that's something you can keep until Jesus comes, right? That's right. So, and Lewis, last certainly not least. We have one for you as well, buddy. Lewis Duncan, baptized on May the 23rd at Grace Church. How about that? Y'all did great. Very proud, very thankful. God bless you guys. Y'all can take that to your parents. Let's give them some appreciation. Thank the Lord. People say, why do you baptize younger children? To me, that's the best time to baptize them. They're the most open. They're the most sincere. They're the most honest at that point. 
Uh, you get some crusty 64-year-old like me up in baptismal waters, God has a few more things to work through. And uh, But we love baptizing our children, and we pray that God keeps them in the palm of his hand. Love, Lewis and Millie. Thank the Lord. God bless you. I apologize for doing this to you, but in reverence and respect to the man of God, would you stand one more time? Love Brother Dave Bunch. I've asked him to preach today. And um, we had an absolute amazing service last Sunday for those of you that were here. And God moved in a very deep, deep way. And uh, I believe God accomplished some amazing things last Sunday, and for that I'm very thankful. Uh, this past Wednesday, was great time in Bible study. I just felt like it'd be good for us to hear from Brother Dave. I leaned over to him a moment ago and I said, just give it all you got, man. Whatever, whatever you can, just pour it all out here. Just leave your heart on the pit tonight. Did not have to ask him to do that. He does it every time he speaks. Love Brother Dave Bunch. You love him. Let's give him some appreciation as he comes to speak. Well, I'm blessed this morning. How about you? Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it great to be in the house of, of God today with, with one another, with the presence of the Lord? It, it just, it's always refreshing to walk into this place on a Sunday morning and feel the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor, so much. Love and appreciate you. Give honor to our pastor today. Let's go right to the Word of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read three verses, the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some believe it was the Apostle Paul. I believe that's probably the the most accurate guess or, or inference, but we don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. But let's read the words of the writer today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint. Where? In your minds. And so from that text today, I would like to preach for a few moments from this topic, focus on the finish. Before we preach the Word of God, would you pray one more time? I need God's help this morning, and I want the Word to find its mark today. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful for the privilege to stand behind this sacred desk and to break the bread of life. What a privilege to preach the Gospel. I pray, Lord, today Your Word would find its mark. Lord, anoint the hearing of the Word, the preaching of the Word. In Jesus' name, let us be changed today. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. In 2012, the Summer Olympics were held in London. I did a quick search this morning. It seems that the Summer Olympics that were to occur last year 
that are supposed to occur this year, there still seems to be some question about whether or not those are going to happen. But go back with me almost 10 years to when they were held in London in 2012. The, the Olympics are always very inspiring. There's a, always a lot of good stories that come out of, of those athletic competitions and what athletes do to compete and their level of commitment and, and training and performance. One story of note that year was the American runner by the name of Manteo Mitchell. During the qualifying race of the men's 4x4 relay, Manteo Mitchell, Mitchell ran in the first flight of that, of that relay, which was a distance of 400 meters. He took off at the starting line, and at 201 meters in, he felt a pop in his leg. He later said that it felt like someone had literally snapped his leg in half. Now at that moment, exactly halfway through his part of the 4x4 relay, Manteo Mitchell had a choice to make. Do I stop? Do I, do I throw in the towel and call it quits? Or do I go on? He later said that quitting was never an option. Manteo pressed on and finished in good enough time to qualify the U.S. team. And later they went on to win the silver, silver medal in that event. But Manteo Mitchell credited more than just adrenaline that day. He, he said later that there were three words that kept going over and over in his mind. And they were these three words. Faith, focus, finish. He said, that was all I could think about. And I repeated those words over and over to myself. He later said, quote, I figured my leg was broken because with every step it got more painful. But I was out there already. I was out there already and I just wanted to finish and do what I was called on to do. Against all odds, against all pain, Manteo's faith, focused, finished self-talk helped him follow through on his commitment to himself, to his team, and to his country. A.W. Tozer said, quote, It is time for us to rise up, get out of the rut and routine, and begin to take our Christian faith seriously. We all have a race to run. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm running my race. We're all running a race. And I want to remind everyone here today, including the man in the pulpit, there is a finish line. There is an end in sight. And only those who have an undeterred determination to finish no matter what will make it across the finish line. I think we all realize here today that we are living in times in which everything that can be shaken is being shaken. There seems to be a falling away from the church where at the very least there are some 
who are at the very least are not committed to God like they used to be. And at the very worst, there are some that are falling away from their faith entirely. Never in our lifetimes have we as the church or as individuals faced the kind of pressures that we face today. Distractions, questions, the luring lie of taking shortcuts all call out to us with a ban- to abandon the race, to question whether it is even worth it, and to lose sight of that finish line. And today I'm speaking first and foremost of that finish line called heaven. We'll talk a minute more, uh, a little more about that in a minute. Heaven is the ultimate finish line. But I'm also speaking to those that have become discouraged in running your personal race. That, that pursuit of a calling, a pursuit of a promise, a pursuit even of a ministry that God has placed down inside of you. But, but because of the distractions and the pressures and, the, and, and, and just the weariness that comes with running, you've been tempted to fall away from pursuing the best that God has for you. Let me say unequivocally, now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to give up on God. Church, you and I as individuals and collectively as a body of of believers cannot stop short of the finish line. We must fight through every obstacle, every distraction, every defeat and press on even when it seems like that finish line is so distant. I want to remind you today that nothing, nothing nothing that is worth gaining is ever achieved without some sort of sacrifice and some sort of commitment somewhere along the way. And I'll tell you today, those that receive divine direction, those that receive godly calling, those who achieve spiritually, those are the, the, the ones that make it to the eternal city, do so by making an unwavering commitment to the finish line. If you're here today, if you're here today and in your spirit you're wondering, is it still worth it? Let me assure you today, it is still worth it. Just let me encourage you, don't grow weary in well-doing. Oh, you may be tired. You may be discouraged. You may be disillusioned. You may feel like you are running on a broken leg. But let me encourage you today, keep your eyes on the finish line. We must Finish our race and we must finish strong. That Olympic runner decided he had invested too much time, too much effort, too much sweat equity, if you will, to quit. He didn't walk that long path to the 2012 Olympics in London, England to give up over something like a broken leg. And I want to tell you today, saint of God, you've come this far. You've got a lot invested in your walk with Jesus. You've been in valleys, but you've been on mountains too. You've had tough days, but you've had a lot of good days. You've seen what Jesus can do, and you know what He will do. And you've seen Him come through time and time again. I'd say today, you've come too far to stop now. I'd say today, you've come too far to give up. I'd say today, we need to stay focused on the finish. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Imagine with me what it must have been like for the disciples. In the middle of religious upheaval and oppression from the Roman Empire, 
Imagine if you're a disciple and a man that no one had ever heard of walks up to you and says, come follow me. He asks you to leave your trade, to leave your home, to leave your family, to, to leave everything you know and join his cause. Those, those immortal words that have lived throughout history, come follow me. He spoke of a kingdom not of this world, one that could not be seen. He promised the disciples suffering in this present world, but eternal life in the world to come. And to really sweeten the deal, shortly after they agreed to follow him, he, he indicated that he was going to be put to death and was just going to leave the entire enterprise in their hands. The disciples may have been tempted to think, didn't someone just get executed for such radical notions as this? There, there was a, the Bible tells of a, of a similar, or of a rebellion, of a, of a revolutionary with similar ideas that had been executed shortly during that, or shortly before that time. So on the surface, if you're a potential disciple, it wouldn't seem like a very good proposal. But there was something about the way that Jesus walked up to them and called them by name. There was something in his eyes. There was something in his manner, the way he carried himself. It was, it was as if an otherworldly or a supernatural presence passed between them and Jesus as he spoke to them. And with reckless abandon, these 12 men had the courage to take that leap of faith and follow Jesus Christ, committing to him on little more than a promise. You might say that Jesus cast the vision and the disciples had the faith. To commit to it. Now, we view the disciples' commitment and their walk with Jesus, the, the, what they did and, and the whole outcome of the whole thing on this side of history. It's, it's a really great story that makes for good preaching points. But it, it could not have been easy for them in that moment when Jesus called them. If you put yourself in their shoes, they didn't know how this was going to turn out. And again, there was great persecution and even execution of, of people who had any kind of ideas of bucking against the Roman authorities. So they must be applauded for their willingness to step out and follow Jesus with their commitment. Not everyone, not everyone was so willing. Consider the guy in the Bible that we call the rich young ruler. Jesus cast a similar vision to this man, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the way, the way this plays out, the way Jesus called the rich young ruler, because it sounds just like the call that Jesus gave to the 12 disciples. He told this man, he says, go sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. That's essentially what he said to the disciples. He said, leave your nets, leave your occupation, leave your home, leave your father and mother, and come Follow me. So the same call went out to this rich young ruler. And the young man decided that the cost was too great. The sacrifice was too much. And he turned around and he walked away from Jesus. Now, to me, using my imagination, I believe that Jesus must have seen something in this young man that was worthwhile. He must have seen some kind of potential here 
for, in order for the call to go forth. The Bible says he, he said what he said to the young man to test him and to try him. So Jesus knew the outcome, but, but somehow I just believe that Jesus probably saw something in this guy that he would have made a disciple. Maybe he was what Jesus, he, he had what Jesus was looking for. It's not scriptural. I'm not preaching it as doctrine, but I'm using my imagination to, to demonstrate the tragedy of a, of a missed moment, a missed opportunity, as Pastor preached not so very long ago. But could it be that Jesus had in mind for this guy, this rich young ruler, to be the 13th disciple? Maybe Jesus looked ahead and knowing that Judas would fall away and that there would need to be a replacement for Judas. He was calling this man and so there would already be a replacement in place when Judas fell away. And, he would, and Jesus didn't intend to leave that replacement up to the 12 disciples in Acts chapter 1. Again, that's not scriptural. I don't know that. But it is a thought. It is a thought. What if, what if, what if scripture was supposed to contain an epistle according to the rich young ruler? What if the Laodicean church wouldn't have been so complacent and carnal if the rich young ruler had heeded the call and ultimately had become their pastor in the early days of the church? We don't know those things because the rich young ruler walked away and it will be forever known as the guy who walked away from the greatest opportunity ever offered a human being. The opportunity to follow Jesus. So what about you today? There was something about the call of God in your life that made you say yes to Him. Something compelled you to start running this race. Do you remember how it felt when divine love washed over your soul? When your sins were buried in baptism just like they were for Millie and Lewis today. When you came out of that water knowing the old life was washed away and new life had begun. You started running this race full of joy, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith. Do you remember the first time you prayed and God answered your prayer? Do you remember laying hands on someone and seeing them receive the Holy Ghost? Can you remember when God used you in the gifts of the Spirit God set you on a race, a course. He charted a path and you committed to follow it. And then something happened along the way. Maybe 2020 happened along the way. Maybe you have more questions than answers along the way. Maybe there's been discouragements and weights and sins and, 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 and just things that so easily beset and cause us to take our eyes off the finish there are so many reasons why people get discouraged and take their eyes off the finish line. Uh, there's probably as many reasons as there are people, but I, I was so stirred in preparing this message to, to share one that, that, that to me is so tantamount, it's so important. I believe it's the most overlooked reason right now in our day what we're going through uh, as, a, as a body of Christ, as a people, as a culture. That, that we need to understand this today. The, probably the greatest distraction, the greatest thing is that we don't realize we are in a spiritual battle. 
In our American culture, we're too quick to, to pass it off as, as, as exhaustion. And I've worked too many hours and, and I'm tired and I don't feel like it. And, and all those are true. They're things. But we forget that there is a race we're running that has eternal consequences. We need some discernment today to understand that sometimes that exhaustion, that desire to quit, that distraction you feel in your spirit is a spiritual attack trying to get you to stop short of the finish line. Oh, the enemy's going to make sure there's obstacles in your path. He is going to make sure that things come along and break the proverbial legs out from under us. Offenses, trials, discouragement, any number of opportunities to quit and go home. The devil will make sure those come your way. And I want you to understand so many times those are spiritual attacks. But I want to challenge somebody today. Go back to the beginning. As the old songwriter said, take me back to the place where I first saw Jesus. To the place where I first made that decision to follow Jesus. When you remember that first call. When you remember the first time He spoke your name. When you remember the first time He overwhelmed you with His love. That gives you enough inspiration to say, I can go one more round. I can go one more step. I can lift my eyes one more time. I can see that finish line. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I know whose spirit rumbles through my soul. I want to remind you that he who began a good work in you is faithful to fulfill it until the day of Christ. So we started out with great faith. The disciples started out with great faith. We have to have great focus after our great faith. There's a great story in John chapter 6 in which Jesus had been at his ministry sometime. He'd been teaching the multitudes, the crowds. And as the teaching got a little tougher, a little more, uh, a little, calling for a little more commitment, the Bible says that the crowds began to turn away from Jesus. And some of the disciples began, not the twelve, but other that Jesus had called, uh, uh, turned away from him. And Jesus, in John chapter 6, verses 67 through 69 said unto the twelve, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then he says, we believe and are sure. That's focus. We are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was saying, we've surveyed the options. We remember what our life was like before we signed up for the mission. And this divine calling... This divine appointment with destiny, this, this God move in our life is still the best thing going. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus is what he was saying. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you today, it's still worth it. The pursuit of the God-given dreams and destiny in your life is still worth it. And let me just bring it in a little closer and sharpen our focus on what we're really running for. Let me tell you what's beyond the finish line. 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. I have fought a good fight, says the Apostle Paul. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. 
and not to me only, but unto all of those who love His appearing. There is a crown of righteousness waiting on the other side of the finish line. Revelation 21, Apostle John writing, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There really is a new Jerusalem at the end of the trail. There really is a heaven across the finish line. And it is still true that one glimpse of Jesus' face on that day will make the trials and tribulations and tests of this present day seem trivial. I want you to know it won't be long now, but you're almost there. If you can just keep running, you may have a broken leg. You may be distracted. You may feel that you're under spiritual attack. But just keep Running, The writer said of Jesus, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. I want you to know there is a joy set before us. There is a reason to keep running today. Hallelujah. We have to stay focused on the finish. Would you just lift your hands and pray for just a moment right now? Lord, you're calling. You're speaking, Lord. I, God, I'm preaching under the anointing today, God. I, I'm giving them what you gave me, Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. God, help us today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And that brings us to the final point. Focus, focus, focus. Focus on the finish. Focus on the finish. It was one thing... It was one thing for the disciples. It was one thing for the disciples to commit. I'm sorry, this brings us to the final point, finish. It was one thing for the disciples to commit by faith. It was another thing for them to stay focused. But they had to finish the course they were were given to run. And when Jesus did ascend into heaven and leave the whole enterprise with them, the church with them, what a conclusion. What, a, what an ultimate reward for their commitment. These 12 men that we call disciples saw a, a return on their commitment, a return on their investment that is, is, is the most profound that you can imagine. They were instrumental in founding the greatest institution the world has ever known called the church. The Bible says they turned their world upside down. They have an integral part in the story of the redemption of humankind. They wrote portions of Scripture, God's holy word. They were used by God to perform signs and wonders. The Bible says their their shadow would pass over the sick and they would be healed. They would send out claws and and prayer claws that they would prayed over and they would be healed in a moment. They saw signs and wonders and, and saw the world turned upside down. I would say that their faith 
and their focus led them to a strong and resounding and complete finish. Thank you, Jesus. In seeking God's direction for the service today, the message, I had decided on Wednesday, or felt led Wednesday, to go in this direction and to preach this sermon. And I, I wanted a good title for it, and I was in my office before church um, Wednesday night and just meditating. And I, I, I guess the Lord gave me this title, Faith, uh, 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 Focus on the Finish, Focus on the Finish. And I came out on the platform and sat next to Pastor Brother Jason Cooper was on the platform with us, and, and I've talked to him about this since then. He knows what I'm about to say. And just real random, out of nowhere, um, we weren't talking about anything on this line. Brother Jason looked at me and said, so when you run, he said, how many half marathons have you run? I said three, uh, which I don't do that anymore, by the way. This was many years ago. I, I've learned my lesson. And uh, he said, how many of you run? I said three. He said, is there, when you're running a race, is there ever a point at which you were tempted to quit? And I, I was stunned by that question. I mean, I, I had just been meditating over this message. And he asked me out of nowhere, are you ever tempted to quit on a race? And the answer is very easy. The answer is yes. You are tempted to quit while you're running, especially 13.1 miles. Ran those three half marathons to raise money for St. Jude several years ago in, in successive years. So I said, yes, there's, there is a point in the race where you feel tempted to quit. Well, his follow-up question wasn't so easy to answer. He said, at what point in the race do you feel like quitting? And I had to think about that a minute. It's not at the starting line. You're excited at that point. You know, you're all, you're all ready to go. You got your adrenaline going. It's not, it's not, at, the, it's not at the starting line. So at what point of a half marathon, 13.1 miles, do you feel like quitting? Well, I thought about it a minute, and the answer is it's somewhere after the halfway point and about two miles before the end, because about, about two miles before the end, you're close at that point, and, and you kinda, you, you're starting to pick up your pace a little bit. You're getting excited. But somewhere between halfway and a couple of miles out, there's like this dead space. And, and, and fatigue starts creeping in and you start getting a few leg cramps that start manifesting themselves. You start getting weary in, in your body. But the worst of it is your mind. And the, we read in our text today not to be weary in mind. And that's what I'm wanting to, to, uh, to, to zero in on here at the concluding moments of this message. The worst of it is the mind. Because the mind tells you yeah, you, you've done good. You passed the halfway point. But you do another mile. That only makes seven. You put in another mile after that. You still got four or five more to go after that. And all of a sudden, you're in this negative, like, vortex. That one, and, and all of a sudden, where you were running with a pep in your step, it gets hard to put one foot in front of the other. You're at a place where you made a lot of forward progress. You're a long way down the road from the starting point. But you can't see the finish line either. 
And that's when, when those voices start talking in your head, when it feels like it would be so easy to quit. We run, when we ran those marathons, it's the first weekend in December. It's usually kind of chilly, 30, 40 degrees, which is ideal time to run. But you start getting, you know, your nose starts getting numb, your hands are numb, you're, you're cold. And, and all that starts working against you. And that's when you've got to stay focused on the finish. So here's what I want you to know today. This is one of those medals. I told you the other day about, um, about personality and giftings that we do in Grace Steps. One of my personality traits is that we like to display our awards. So I'm displaying my award to 200 people and however many on live stream. So there you go. So this is one, one of them from um, 2018. And it says St. Jude Memphis Marathon Weekend, 13.1 miles. I don't know how much of that you can read. Now, I got this medal. I didn't win first place. I didn't win second place. I didn't win third place. In fact, every year, every year, when I cross the finish line on my 13.1 half marathon, about five minutes later, they come over the loudspeaker and congratulate the winner of the full marathon. That means that in the time it took me to run half a marathon, some maniac ran a full marathon. <laughs> so I didn't get the award for winning. But this, for my words of affirmation personality, is what I love about this medal. I don't know if you can see this or not. But it just says, it just says, finisher. It just says finisher. The award, the reward, goes not to the swift, not to the winner, but to the finisher. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, run that you may obtain. No other reason. Don't run to be first place. Don't run to be third place. Don't run to hold up your medal in front of a crowd of people. Run that you may obtain. He says in two verses later, he says, So I therefore run not as uncertainly. In other words, I have a fixed point in mind. I have a destination on which I am focused. And it's a finish line. It's about finishing strong even when it hurts. It's about finishing strong even when it's not convenient. And it's about finishing strong even when others quit. And so I want to give somebody permission today to stay in the race. You have permission today to stay in the race. About finishing strong no matter what. I want you to know today that you can live an overcoming lifestyle. You can live for God even if you're the only one in your family. You can achieve the dreams God has birthed down in your heart. You have permission today to keep fighting. You have permission today to stay committed. And you have permission today to stay focused and stay strong and finish well. If our musicians will come, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to pray. It's interesting to me that the scripture talks about this great cloud of witnesses. I don't know who those witnesses are. I don't 
I've never read any commentary that knows definitively who they are. They could be, the witness could be referring to God, could be referring to the angels, it could be referring to those who go on before us, dead in Christ that have gone on before us. Perhaps it's all of those. But we have this great cloud of witnesses shouting and, and cheering us on on this race that we're on, telling us it's worth it to stay in the fight. The problem is, is that as I, as I find, as I see it, is that oftentimes instead of cheering us loudly, those voices can only be heard in a whisper. Due to the noise of life, the distractions of the world, those spiritual attacks on our mind that I mentioned, Oftentimes, the voices of those that would cheer us on, the voices of those that would encourage us the most, often those are so quiet, they're so, they're so silent almost that they can barely be heard because of all the distractions in life. Someone said accurately, someone said accurately, the temporal shouts, but the eternal whispers. And so to finish strong today, it is so important that we tune our minds to the frequency on which God is speaking, to the frequency on which that great cloud of witness is cheering us on. And we must focus our mind on the prize. As, as the Olympic runner said, faith, focus, finish. We have to stay focused on the finish. Would you stand with me this morning? Shortly after Dawson was flown to St. Jude and we got settled in up there, somebody gave us a book, and the book was subsequently washed away in the flood, so I don't know the name of it or who wrote it, but I, I had written down or typed, typed up, some, somehow gotten a hold of a, of a statement out of that book, so remember we're running the race, we're, we're in the fight, we've got a serious sickness in our family. We're dealing with flood, like many of you were. A lot going on in our lives. And someone gave us this book, and it contained this statement, what I call a statement of affirmation. And I want to share it with you today in conclusion. This is my concluding remarks. Because to me, this encapsulates what I'm trying to say. It encapsulates the tenacity it takes to reach down deep and say, you know what, anybody can quit. The easy thing would be to quit. I could easily step off of the race course and go back to the bleachers. But I think I'll reach down and just get a little bit of faith. And I think I'll set my eyes just so assuredly on that finish line. And I'll stay focused on my calling. And I'm going to do what God called me to do. A statement of affirmation. And it says this. Even though I am surrounded by oppressors. I am never smothered or crushed by them. I may become perplexed, and it may seem there is no way out, but I will not be driven to despair. Even though I may be pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, God will never desert me and make me stand alone. Even though I may be struck down to the ground, I will never be struck out or destroyed. No matter what difficulties or obstacles may come my way, I will never, never 
never quit. I will not faint in the time of adversity because God is with me. I am strong and courageous. I am persistent and undaunted in my faith. I will never quit and I will never yield. I am steadfast and unmovable. I am valiant and fearless, determined and resolute in my faith. I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will not lose heart. I will not weaken or cave in. Victory is mine. If you feel that's applicable to you today, would you just clap your hands to Jesus right now? God, I'm accepting that word in my life. God, I'm applying that word to my life. God, I'm living that word in my life. And so as they begin to sing, as they begin to play, would you just come down to the front? The altars are open. Uh, today, really, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two-pronged approach. It's a, it's a message of consecration, but it's also a message of encouragement. If you're here today and you need to re-consecrate yourself, make your commitment a little better, now's the time to do it. But if you're here today and you just need some encouragement, I also encourage you to just come and rejoice because there is a race to be run and there is a reward to be gained. Come on, Grace Church. Would you make your calling and election sure? Would you rededicate yourself to the race? Would you refocus on the finish today? Oh, that's it. That's it. All over the house, they're coming. All over the house, they're recommitting. All over the house, they're running the race. That's it. That's it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it, Grace Church. Come on. Can we take advantage of this moment? Can we take advantage of this moment? Give myself away.